How many of you enjoyed worship this morning? Wasn't that amazing? That was powerful. The Holy Spirit was uh, just moving on our behalf today. You know, I believe that... Um, how many of you believe God wants to take us higher and farther and He wants to enlarge our wineskin? He's doing a new thing in the earth. Uh, one of the things I told a relative of mine this past week, I said, please turn off the news and turn to your prayer closet. Uh, sometimes we just need to get a hold of God. Amen? Uh, if our eyes are on the issues and the problems around us, uh, it's going to get pretty discouraging. That's why Jesus told us, and he was very concerned about where our heart is, uh, we're going to be starting a series here this morning on demonstrating the power of the gospel through compassion. I want to open up with a word of prayer this morning. First of all, are all my gadgets on? You, you won't believe what I have to do to get plugged up here. <laughs> Praise God. It just, I, I need a memory just for some of these things. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel, the good news. Lord, we ask you, the Lord, this morning to give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Lord, we believe that revival is moving around the world even right now. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Lord, things are happening that are far greater than we could even imagine. Lord, you're, we're not on the losing team. We're on the winning team. And Father, I just pray that our, even as you gave a word through Isaiah, Lord, that as our thoughts need to be transformed because your thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. Lift our vision today in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I want to remind you that there's opportunities all around you. There's opportunities all around you, and the Holy Spirit wants to use you. God wants you to be a vessel of His amazing grace and His amazing love, and He wants you to be one of His great ministers of compassion and mercy. Amen? And uh, I want to open up with Matthew. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed. The word blessed where means highly favored. Amen. How many of you like some favor in your life? Highly favored. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This is a condition with a promise. When you're merciful, you're going to receive mercy. And so I need to ask myself, is mercy part of my life? If you have the Holy Spirit, mercy's flowing from your life this morning. Amen? Do you know that one of the keys to the supernatural. How many of you believe we need to be moving in the supernatural? You will find that in the New Testament, that wherever Jesus healed the sick, wherever he raised the dead, whenever he cleansed the leper, you will find this, these phrases, not in every verse, but a lot of verses. If you do a word study on the word compassion, 
that says that Jesus was moved with compassion on the leper, on the woman caught with adultery, the woman of Nain whose son had died, a widow. Jesus was moved with compassion in the wilderness before he fed the 5,000. He was moved with compassion followed by a miracle. I remember years ago in the early charismatic move, when the charismatic, how many have ever heard of the charismatic move? Well, the charismatic move was a move of the Holy Spirit around the world. God was moving, and there was the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. But one of the things that happened, we noticed that, do you know it's possible to move in the gifts but not have compassion? It's possible to be a man of the gifts but not have compassion. And one of the things that you could see is people would come through and, in fact, the gifts and the callings are given without repentance. A lot of people today will follow a gift, a man or a woman that has a gift. But mercy and compassion are not always visible in the beginning. You don't always see the character and the nature of a person. And sometimes we get involved in a relationship and we say, oh, I was so attracted to their gift and they were such a blessing, but now that I got to know them, now that I got to realize that all they got is their gift and they can't tell the truth, they, they're not people who really care for people, they're just, just, they come through town like a circus and they come through and they minister and then they're gone. You know, that's why the church has become weak because it's not been based on relationship. It's been based on just manifestation. Now, we believe in manifestations. We believe that God wants to heal, raise the dead. We believe we're, we're part of what that journey is, uh, what God wants to do. I want to open up with a short little story. This is a true story in the Northwest that happened several years ago. In the Cascade Range, two guys went hunting. And uh, as they were out hunting for about a week and a half, they went away from their campsite and they were out in the woods in the Cascade Range. And after about a week and a half of hunting, they really didn't catch anything. So they thought they should start making their way way back to camp. And as they were on their way way back to camp, they're coming back, which was several miles, all of a sudden they were caught in a huge snowstorm and a blizzard. I mean, a blizzard just came upon them so fast, and so these guys were trucking. And as they're trucking their way through the snow, they happened to find another hunter face down in the snow. One guy put his head down to his head, lifted his head up. He was barely breathing, still alive, but he was freezing to death. And the one hunter said, we... We, we need to get this guy some help and we need to pick him up and haul him back to camp. And the other hunter said, no way. If we pick him up and he's going to slow us down, we're all going to die. I'm not going to pick him up. I'm, I'm heading back to camp. We, we got to move. We got to get going. The other guy said, I am not going to leave this man here. But you don't even know who he is. He's going to die anyway. He's probably got frostbite and all that. He says, you go ahead and go. I'm going to take care of him. So the guy, his friend, he took off. 
in the white whiteout in the blizzard. He, he decided to leave his friend behind with this man dying in the snow. The man, the, one, the second hunter, picked this gentleman up, was able to put him over his shoulder and begin to walk back to camp. After several hours, he finds his friend who ran ahead. He was flat down in the snow and he was dead. The guy that was holding the man over his shoulders uh, found himself in this whiteout, this blizzard, only a couple hundred yards away from their campsite where their trucks and tents and everything were. They made it back into the hospital. What was such a kind of an interesting uh, the situation is the doctors couldn't figure out why that one man dropped dead and the other man with the other guy over his back made it. And it was all because the man who was carrying the other man that was still alive, their body temperature, their body heat kept them alive. And because he had compassion on the man that was dying, he was able not only to save that man and save himself, but the guy who chose to neglect the help of the other guy ended up dying because of no compassion. How many of you know that God, there's, the Bible says in Ecclesiastics that two is better than one. And we need to realize that, do you know that compassion will save your life? I want you to jump over with me to another scripture. These are scriptures that you guys... First of all, let me give you the definition of compassion. Compassion means to express tender love or to show pity or to yearn from within that moves you to take action by demonstrating care and sympathy to be moved to show mercy. Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes that if you can't show mercy, you don't receive mercy. Mercy is given to the merciful. Compassion. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. The word there literally means from the bowels, from the inside. When someone is moved with compassion, it begins to stir you to act, not to just think about it. I hate to say it, but I've been guilty of that. I remember one time, me and a buddy way back in my college days, we went down to this pizzeria. By the way, pizza sure sounds good right now. I'm, uh, I'm on this lifestyle change right now, my wife and I, and the last thing we're eating is pizza. And boy, just the mention of that. Portland Pizza had this amazing pizza bar. Anyway, I don't know how I got off that one. Anyway, we're, me and a, a friend of mine, a college friend of mine, we're, we're going into this pizzeria. And I'll never forget, to get into the store, there was a, a, a bum, a guy that was a drunk, literally plastered out on... You couldn't get into the door to the pizzeria because he was... There in a drunk and holding his whiskey bottle or wine bottle, whatever bottle he was, and, he, and he's sitting there just kind of. And, and I remember stepping over him 
to get into the, the restaurant. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, by the way, I was, I was in Bible school, college, you know, like how, how ridiculous. This, this was my mindset at that time. I'm, can you believe that? That drunk laying there right in the middle of the door keeping people from coming into the restaurant. That's just a disgrace. And so I'm coming into the restaurant and I'm sitting down and I'm opening my menu and I'm with a, a good friend of mine. His name was John Bidell, a good friend of mine. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and we're looking at our, our menus. And then the Holy Spirit starts talking to me. And I'm thinking, I mean, this is what the Holy Spirit's saying. You're going to fill up tonight, aren't you, Ray? You're going to enjoy your pizza. And have a good time. All of a sudden, I, I'm, look, I'm sitting there in this booth, and I'm seeing this guy out there, and people are going in and out. Finally, the manager comes and literally takes him by his, he had his overcoat and pulls him aside, pulls him to the side. And when I saw the way the manager handled the guy, I felt, this big. I'm walking, and I'm sitting there in my little pizzeria. Oh, I can't wait to have the pepperoni and Swiss cheese and all the mushrooms. Boy, that sounds good just talking about it. And just my crusted double pizza, and I'm thinking, wow, it's going to be good. And then I, I'm looking up and seeing this guy out there who was just pulled away by the manager. And then the Holy Spirit asked me, what is your gospel? Well, what kind of a gospel do you have? I said, well, Lord, I'm, you know, I've worked hard all day. And I'm, I mean, I'm arguing with God. I'm not talking to John, who's across. John and I are having a conversation, but the Holy Spirit's talking to me. He says, what, what, what kind of a gospel do you have? You step over this guy. And, and this is my thinking. I don't know him. He's probably reaping what he deserves anyway. He's reaping it. He sowed a bad life, made some bad choices. He's there, and there's where he, you know, he, he, it's probably there because, you know, wrong choices. And so the pizza comes. Here comes the pizza. And it's sitting there. Have you ever tried to eat pizza under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? And I'm sitting there about ready to put this juicy quarter piece of Swiss dripping cheese and pepperoni and mushroom and the seasoning and... And I'm eating it. And I said, John, I I, got to say something. John Bidell, he's a friend of mine. So, yeah, what's wrong with it? And John's just gobbling down the pizza. And so I I think the Holy Spirit, um, I I need to go out and talk to this guy. Who? He, 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 remember the guy we walked over? Oh, yeah, the bum. Yeah, yeah. So I, I go out there and, and uh, I brought a slice of my pizza. And as I took the slice of pizza out to 
him. It's amazing. He's there and he's slobbering and vomit and spit and smell is all over his garment. And I said, can I, can I just help you have something to eat? And as soon as he saw that, tears start flowing down his face. I said, what's, how, what's, how did you get here? And to my absolute amazement, he was a preacher. A backslidden preacher. He lost his marriage, lost his church, lost his family, turned to alcohol to medicate years of bad decisions, now living homeless on the street. When I offered him a pizza, he took it, and and I was able just to talk to him, and then John came out. John brings the whole box of pizza. I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't that gracious. Said John, John, well, I, I want to give him some pizza, but can we save some? And John, when John, you know, John saw what was going on, and I'm and I so we gave him a couple pizzas and we looked at this gentleman and we said, you know, God is the God of a second chance. He's the God who can heal and restore you. And I'm not saying... He asked me, are you an angel? Well, I wish I was, but no, I'm really not. In fact, to be honest with you, I really didn't want to talk to you. You know, it's not easy to go up to people that got vomit and goobers all over them and but, but while I'm in that restaurant, that pizzeria, the Holy Spirit's asking me, what is your Christianity worth? What is it worth? I brought something today. I don't, my wife keeps the cash, but I asked her for this. I asked her for a $100 bill. I want to ask you, what is, what is a soul worth? What is this worth of a human soul? Here's a $100 bill, a real $100 bill, not fake. I asked for my wife. She barely gave it to me, but I got it. But it's a $100 bill, and, you know, it's a Chris, brand new, brand new $100 bill. But what if I took this $100 bill, did this, and walked on it? You know, it's where some of us come out of our lives broken, stepped on. And this is the way we look. This is the way we see ourselves. But is it still worth anything? Is it still worth something? Or is it 
do we just see people like this? Just well, they just they've they've ruined their life. This is what they are. That's not the way God sees them. Because how many of you believe Jesus has the power to make all things new? You know, I know this. Our churches today are filled with people like this. They've been stepped on, walked on, made bad decisions. Jesus still has compassion for these people. And even though they've been walked on, treated wrong, made bad decisions, self-inflicted bad decisions, God still sees value in them. Now what we do, he deserves it. He deserves it. By the way, I got to give this back to my wife, so it's got to go back in the pocket here. I bet some somebody out there probably thought I was going to give it to you right now. I'm not that compassionate yet. I want to read a scripture to you in 1 Corinthians. It says, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, though I have faith that I can move mountains, and I have no love. If I cannot pick the man out of the snow whose face is in the ground, I am what? I don't care how many people you can give words of knowledge to and prophesy and move mountains. You might be a Smith Wigglesworth, a Charles Finney, a John G. Lake, but if there is no compassion, let me just say this. And you should write this down. You cannot sell anything you cannot demonstrate. I want to I show you some scriptures in the Bible that are important. It says, He has made His wonderful works to be remembered, for the Lord is gracious and full of what? Full of compassion. Psalms 25.10 All the paths of the Lord. Now this is an important. It means every time God does something, all the paths, the way He works, that's what it means. All the paths of the Lord, notice the order. It doesn't say all the paths of the Lord are principles and mercy. It says first, are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. One thing, I've been pastoring for 28 years, and one thing I've realized something, and it's not your fault, but people will forget what you say or won't even hear what you say but they'll never forget how you treat them. In fact, if you, you can be so full of knowledge, like Paul says, you have knowledge, all knowledge and faith to boom out. But if I have no love, I'm nothing. There 
There was a true te- uh, story. In fact, this is a story I actually saw on television, on TBN, Pat Robertson. It was a story that was just absolutely mind-blowing to me. There was a gentleman who was raised from a very early age from a child whose father was in Al-Qaeda. He was in terrorist activity. He was raised to hate the West, hate Jews, hate Christians. He was raised to believe that they are bad people. They must be wiped off the face of the earth. Whatever you do, you have the right to lie, to murder, to kill, to maim, to terrorize, whatever it takes for, for Muhammad, for, the, for, the, for jihad, you must do this. And he was raised and trained. He became part of the hierarchy in the uh, Al-Qaeda group, not ISIS, but Al-Qaeda. This is several years ago. And he was being trained, and he received and obtained a fake passport, changed his name, came to the United States, and his intent was to set up different operations in different cities. And he did. Very successful. Joined several mosques, and his intent was to spread the message of hate to destroy our nation from within. One day, he gets in a major car accident and almost lost his life in a major city in the United States. Gets in this car accident. And after the accident, he's barely alive. He's bleeding to death. But a gentleman comes up to him, begins to take care of his wounds, begins to put tourniquets on his limbs, and then he does something he starts praying to the Holy Spirit. He said, Lord, give this man a second chance. Father, come and heal him. Raise him up. And and this man, who's still semi-conscious, but he's hearing these prayers, and he couldn't make out what, what in the world he was doing. Finally, the ambulance came, took him into the ER emergency room, and guess who shows up? This man. He never met him before. Comes in, and he stands by his bedside, and he asks, do you have a family? The man who prayed over this Muslim gentleman says, do you have any family? He says, no. In fact, he was scared to death because he was operating under a false ID with a false passport and false visa, and he was here in America. He's in the hospital, so he tells this guy who prayed over him, he says, I have no family. While he's there lying in the, in the bed, several weeks and even months goes by, he even goes into therapy. And the thing that puzzled this Muslim was the constant companionship and bedside attention that this man kept coming and was caring, even was helping him through his therapy. And finally this guy, the Muslim said, who are you? What, what, what do you? Why do you care about whether I live or die? He says, every life is important. Every life matters. He never heard that before. He never heard that every life matters. And he says, I, I, I said, but, but, but why do you, why did you care? Why, 
why did you why have you been helping me out and giving me money and since I have no family why have you been doing that he says well someone changed my life oh what do you mean who who changed your life and then he said this so i've been changed by the power of god's love oh yeah i know god too yeah yeah i know god muhammad the great muhammad no no it's it's jesus who gave his life for me so i would give my life for others. That so shocked him. It so sent shockwaves. Because the very thing he'd been raised to believe all of his life, he began to realize. He says, not once in my life have I ever seen a Muslim or someone show care, love, and concern, show compassion, give out of their own substance, Never, ever had that happen. But a Christian. And it began to confuse him about what he was believing in, what he was doing. And he began to realize, maybe, made him second guess about his decisions, about what he was doing. And the man became a Christian. That gentleman led that Muslim gentleman to the Lord He became a Christian, and now he's on some kind of an evangelistic thing with this guy, and he was on TBN as a testimony. That's the power of compassion. Compassion can break down the walls of hate. But you know, compassion is more than just talking, isn't it? Compassion is more than just saying, I like you. No, compassion is where we begin to express and take action. So when we begin to, we have to understand the love of God. Everyone say the love of God. Really important that we understand God's love. Notice what it says here in Psalms. The Lord is gracious and full, slow to anger. Slow, everyone say slow to anger and of great mercy. Notice what it says here, Proverbs 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And so find what? Favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. God says let mercy, mercy, yeah, but Pastor, you just don't know what I went through and the way I was treated. Oh, I am not going to forget that. Mercy. Mercy. Everyone say mercy. 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 You just don't understand. I have my rights. Guess what? You know what that means? You're not dead yet. Because if you've truly died to self, you can show mercy. Something about the love of God. I want you to recognize two things, two things required of all believers. First, to show mercy, which demonstrates the gospel. Secondly, we're to live the gospel out by living the truth. First mercy, then truth. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
But nobody's going to be free until they know you care. Everyone say, I care. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I care for you. Now turn the other way. Amen. Some of you will. <laughs> I care. See, it's, it's important. The miraculous, we can have all the miracles in the world, but if we have no compassion, all you got is a circus. If you have no compassion, and all you want to do is manifest gifts, 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 words, knowledge, gifts, but I have no love, I am nothing. That is absolutely... And, and what, because Jesus wasn't interested in just pushing his kingdom message. He cared for people. He didn't step over them and go and have his pizza. He came back and he says, can I give you part of my pizza? Amen? That, that's, how many of you believe this is the simple gospel? I mean, I know this is no deep thing here. I want to give you three components. I'm moving quickly. Three components to love. These are three things you need to understand about love. Number one, love has an object. What becomes the object of love is based on how you see value in it. No one here loves anything unless you see value in it for you. But can I tell you, Jesus' love was not based upon you being the object because the Bible says in Romans 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So Jesus didn't die for us because we were the object of his love. Some of us today, you know why I love them? Because they make me happy. Oh, they're going to give me a good life. I'm in love with them. They're the object of my love because I don't ever want to be single. I'm tired of being lonely. So what you do is you make a person or something the object, and guess what after that? Then you start putting expectations on them, and when they fail you, guess what? You turn on them because the object of your love, let me just tell you, there is no person other than God himself that can truly fill the need in your life. There is no man, no woman. I love my wife. I love Carol. She's an awesome woman of God. And there's a lot of fulfillment in our relationship. But she still doesn't meet the true deep needs that only the Holy Spirit can. And until you figure that out, guess what? You will constantly fight and place sex. You'll place unrealistic expectations on a spouse that only God can meet. There are people today that think that love has to do with the object. When Peter was confronted by Jesus in John 21 and said, Peter, do you love me? This was after his denial. He lied. He denied the Lord. He ran like a coward, and the Lord meets him with breakfast there on the seashore, and Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And you know what, Peter? Peter finally answers objectively and honestly, and he uses the Greek word philio. He says, Lord, I thought I had the kind of love that would die for you, but I realize all I've seen you was as an object. I filio you. I, I love you as a friend. 
I placed expectations on you, and I thought you, I, you, you weren't supposed to die. You weren't supposed to give your life and allow us to scatter. You were supposed to come as the, the, the reigning king over Israel and deliver us from our tyranny and deliver us from our problems, but you didn't. So I filio you. Jesus, or Peter was being very honest with Jesus. In other words, what Peter was saying is, Lord, I don't love you like I thought I did. Because I realize now the reason why I loved you is because I was using you to get what I want. You know the thing interesting about Jesus, though? Do you know Jesus wants you to be honest with him about where you're at? It is absolutely, you know, in the church, what we've done in the church, we've made this huge mistake. I, I believe in making confessions of faith and vision and believing God. I believe that. But God also wants you to be honest about where you're at. There's been many times where I said, you know, Lord, I know you love me today, but I really don't love you. I'm having a tough time with you right now. I know some of you are probably thinking about leaving the church on that one. But there's times where God wants you to be completely honest with him. Do you know God's not moved because you say, Lord, I don't like you today. Because you're allowing me to go through a painful situation that I just don't think is fair. And I don't like you. I want you to all realize that God is not shaken up like you would be shaken up. Because you're not the object of his love. He still loves you even though you say, you know, God, I hate you. He still loves you. His love's not moved by your reaction to what he's doing in your life. Because he, who has begun a good work, will be faithful to complete it. That means you can be up one day, down the next. He's still faithful. It's not based on your reaction to the pain you're walking through. Because he who began said, I'm going to bring you through. And when you have already come through the fire, through the storm, and when you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to find a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. You see, that's why he doesn't... You give up on him, but he doesn't give up on you. That's why God's trying to renew our minds. Everyone say renew. The second thing is the emotion of love. Boy, this is the dangerous one. Oh, I love it because it gives me such a thrill. Emotional love. Emotional love is based on how something makes you feel. How many of you know your emotions? God gave you emotions not to lead and direct your decisions. Emotions were intended for you to experience joy and experience life because you're doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. How many here have ever made an emotional impetuous decision only to come to find out and say, wow, that was the wrong decision. Maybe you bought a car from a salesman. I'll never forget, my wife and I, I was about ready to buy a 1988 uh, GT Celica. 
and I'm getting ready to walk off the lot and the salesman, no kidding, he comes up and says, why are you leaving? How did I fail you? I said, you didn't fail me. He was trying to pull on my emotional strings. He was putting this guilt on me for leaving the park. I said, I just want to think about it. And this guy was trying to make me feel guilty because I wasn't buying the car right now. And there are people that do that. You know what you put me through? Do you know what you put me through? That's, it. That's, that's called manipulation. Emotional love is love that can be used to manipulate people. How many of you know sometimes kids can use tears to motivate you? I don't like you anymore, Daddy. <laughs> you know, Daddy, I just hate you because you made me cry. Okay, I'll give you what you want. Big mistake. Or I'll tell you what, honey. <laughs> you give me that diamond ring, you'll get a surprise tonight. You give me that diamond ring. Ooh. There's some goodies for you tonight. It's called manipulation. Oh, Pastor Ray, you're just spoiling everything. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll get you that birthday gift. I'll buy you that Christmas present. If you get straight A's. I'm all for the reward system. I think it's great to reward people when they do a great job. Nothing wrong with that. But if you find yourself in the entrapment of being manipulated by people you're trying to train, raise, and grow strong, then you are failing as a parent. The Bible says about love, for whom the Lord loves, He what? He corrects, He chastens. The Bible says, if you're not corrected and if you're not chastened, he says you're a bastard. It means illegitimate. You're not a legitimate child of God. If you get your way and the Holy Spirit is not using leaders, parents. God, by the way, young people, God gives you parents is the first line of authority. How you respond to them will determine the success for the rest of your life. Your parents. Yeah, but you just don't know my dad, my mom. They're evil. They're bad. No, God still gave you those parents. And the Bible doesn't say to honor them on the basis of conditions. It says honor and obey them, period. Now, obviously, if your dad's asking you to help him rob the bank, there's a line to draw. If he's asking you to break the law, you, Dad, I love you. I will honor you, but I'm not going to steal and rob the bank for you, Dad. You're violating God's law. And you have the right honorably to say that. But we need to understand that emotional love is where a lot of people today, they get on chat rooms, they get on Harmony and Match.com and oh, you just don't know who I just ran into. He's telling me everything I want to hear and telling me everything I want to know. And he's a mighty man of God. He's a mighty woman of God. And all of a sudden, the guy comes out to be a crackpot, comes back and starts telling you that <clears throat> he needs you to 
bail them out or do something or do this or do that. Come to find out, it's a facade. Everyone say test. You have to try and test the Spirit. You don't believe everything. Well, pastor, that just sounds so negative. No, no. It's wisdom. When, when people talk to you, you need to test the Spirit. Yeah, but it's too confrontational. I'm not that kind of a person. Well, guess what? You're on your way to getting burned. You don't... Man, there's been times... Just, just as a Christian, as a person, it's good to test the Spirit. You know, when I was helping this guy that, at the pizzeria, you know one of the first questions I asked? We didn't just pull out the pizzas and start throwing cash at them like a lot of people do. The Bible still says, I asked him, do you have any family? Do you have any money? He said, well, pastor, that sounds kind of confrontational. Yeah? I'm going to shock some, some of you here, Mata. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to just give money and give to the poor. The Bible actually tells you that you're to do a little bit of an investigation. You can still do that with compassion. I'll never forget, there was a family came to our church one time. We're just out of debt. We're in the hole. We're going in the red. Come to find out this guy had an amazing $30,000 boat in his garage. And he's asking for help. I say, you go home and sell that $30,000 boat. Well, I thought you were supposed to help bail us out. Now, I'm going to help you. When you're down to zero, I'll help you. You mean, Pastor Ray, you, you actually feel it's okay to ask questions? It's biblical. Read 1 Timothy 5. The two most helpless people in the Bible were orphans and widows. And the Apostle Paul gave clear instructions how to help a widow. It said, let them first go to their family. Well, that doesn't sound very compassionate. No, it's wisdom. Do you know there are people that... Now, my pastor, you started off so good in this message, and now you're, now, now you're kind of flipping the other side of it and making us look bad. No, no. The problem in the church is we've either been way to one extreme or way to the other extreme. We want to really help the real needy. We really want to help the needy. But it's going to take some questions. God did just say, well, there's, there's a need. Pull out the, throw the hundreds and pay all the bills. My wife and I, we used to do that. We come to find out some of the people we were helping were better off than we were. Some of them were good liars. Well, yeah, but the Bible says you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand should. Yeah, but it didn't say you couldn't ask questions. He's talking about keeping track of how good you give. It, it is important that the church really grows up in learning really how to help the poor. Sometimes helping the poor isn't giving them anything, but it's giving them, now, it, yes, friendship, yes, love, yes, mercy, and yes, your possessions, but sometimes it's just giving them wisdom and care, and friendship. It's more than just money. 
Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I know some of you are probably, you with the gift of mercy out there had a hard time with this, I'm sure. But, but it is vital for you, and, and I, I wouldn't say it like this, I, I know you've got a need, so I'm here to investigate. Wrong approach. But when people have a need, I mean, there's some important questions, you know, I think. And, and I think we need to be gentle. I think we need to show care and love and concern. But we need to ask, how did you get this in this position in the first place? How did you get here? That's how the gentleman says, well, I started out as a pastor, got messed up with some women, turned to the bottle, my family fell apart, I lost my job, and now I'm down at a pizzeria, and I'm a, a wino drinking my life away. Now, I'm not going to come up here and give them three principles on how to get out of debt. My first response was to feed him to let him know we really cared. How many of you know that helping people, showing compassion, isn't just giving them a piece of pizza either? It's, it's also follow-up. It's also helping them get out of the hole they're in. We live in a nation, I'm going to say it, not trying to be a political or... But we live in a nation where so many people feel entitled to stuff. And it's hurting our nation. We're actually hurting the poor. When all you do is give, 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 and you don't investigate, you don't help renew their minds, you're actually causing them to stay right where they're at. True story. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Had a huge, big parade. The mayor of the city and everybody, this Big, massive, big situation. They went into a ghetto. Millions of tax dollars. A bond was taken. Things out was going on and all this. And what they did was they were giving everybody a second chance in the ghetto. They put new apartments, new parking lots, put a beautiful park. And they took all these people that were in the ghetto and they gave them all these brand new housing complex situations. Guess what? In three years, that new complex became a ghetto. And you've heard the old adage, you can get people out of the ghetto, but if you don't get the ghetto out of the people, it goes back to the ghetto. No, pastor, that just sounds pretty cold. Doesn't sound like you have any compassion at all, no? We really believe in compassion. But we want people to not just get out of the ghetto, Stay out of the ghetto. Amen? And it's not about judging. It's not about putting them down. It's not about saying, well, it's your fault. You're here. No, we're not going down that road. God's love, by the way, God's love. Paul says it in Galatians 3. I don't want to, uh, well, let me just stop on that point there. The last thing here on the component is the will of love. The will of love. Love is based upon decisions. Do you know that when Jesus died for you, he chose, he didn't die because he felt like it. How many of you believe he felt like loving you when he was being beat with his back? He said this. By the way, the cross didn't begin with Jesus on the cross. It began in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said this, 
Abba Father, I delight to do your will. It is my will to do your will. He didn't say, Lord, I'm doing this because I feel like it. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ, Jesus' love was based on a choice to do the will of the Father. Compassion has to be, it has to come from your will. But your will, your will, your covenant is based on your knowledge. Now listen to me. You cannot will to do anything unless faith works by love. And love starts by having a revelation. Everyone say revelation of God's love for you. Listen to me. You can't give what you don't have. You will never make a decision and the decision will never stick unless you have first received love so you can give love. If you can't give love, it's because you have no revelation of the Father's love. That's why people say this. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I've run out of love. I've run out of patience. Guess what they're saying? I've had no revelation of the Father's love. See, once you've had a revelation of the Father's love, and may I call it a sozo? May I call it the kind of ministry? You can't give what you don't have. That's why people today, the divorce rate, people are separate, people are given up, is because of this. I haven't had a revelation. Yeah, but I'm just tired. I'm just tired, Pastor, and I've just I've had it up there. I'm just I'm just tired. Well, guess what? You're not spending time looking and beholding the glory of the Lord who are changed into the same image. Everyone say, behold. you got to behold. The problem is we're beholding the people and the problem instead of beholding Jesus, which transforms my will. Case in point. For two and a half months now, other than two sips, I haven't had a Coca-Cola. Soda pop. I'm actually up here to brag. My wife and I, we've lost 24 pounds. No soda pop. But I want to tell you something. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to brag about but what I'm going to tell you something. It, it's not a matter of dieting. We had to change our palate. We don't reward ourselves by saying, six days, thank God I've drank water and tea. Now I can celebrate on the eighth day and have a Coke. We don't do it that way. We celebrate by having more vegetables. By drinking more iced tea. Well, Pastor Ray, that's not a party. That's not a celebration. That sounds like persecution. No, when you begin to eat right, you actually start to feel right. You start doing better. But in the beginning, your flesh is killing you. You're weak. Your sugar drive is calling out. Uh, let me tell you, folks. I'm going to tell you. I still don't like water. I still don't like this. You know, my wife, she's bought some fresh vegetables, and I'm eating these vegetables. But all of a sudden, I've noticed after my third month now, I'm getting stronger. 
The same thing applies in the spirit. The more you feed on the right thing, it starts changing your willpower. You want to do the right thing. The problem is in Christianity today, I want it quick. I, I want I want quick I want, I want a quick fix. I want a quick relationship. I need to get married now. I want love now. I need it now, now, now. And guess what? You get it now, and then you as fast as you got it, you went out, out, out. That's our nation. We live in a fickle nation. We're fickle. We like it one day, we hate it the next. I bought a car, now I hate the car. I had the kids, now I hate them. I love the job, I hate it. I went to this church, I thought this was heaven on earth. Now I hate this church. We are so fickle. And the problem is, we don't know how to live. We don't know how to think right. We're not, we're not walking in the process of the renewed mind. Really, really quick. Let me move on to this. No, I'm going to close right now. I'm going to drop. I had 12 slides. I always do this. You all know. Well, how many of you will come back and finish next week? Anybody out there? Because uh, I'm going to be getting into how the love of God works in connection with compassion. And uh, I think it'll be transforming. I think God will begin to do some amazing things in our lives because... How many of you believe God wants to take us to new levels of victory in every area of our life? And He's not, he's not going to leave you the same. He cares about where you're at. He cares about what's going on in your life. And one of the things I want, I want to leave you with is this. Is remember this. Is you cannot sell what you do not demonstrate. You cannot sell what you do not demonstrate. If we don't demonstrate the love of God, our message is in vain. And so God is asking all of us, not in any condemnation, but He is a God who has great compassion. The beautiful thing about compassion is compassion has much patience. God is patient. He waits patiently for the fruit of the earth. He's waiting and He's patient with you, He will not throw you away like that $100 bill. I want you to realize you're still valuable even though you have been walked over or maybe there's been self-inflicted decisions that you've made. He still has compassion. And He loves you and His death, Jesus' death on the cross was so sufficient to make you a new creature in Christ. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, there's been some walls in my life. There's been areas in my life that have really kept me from moving forward. And I I need to just be exposed to the compassion of the Lord. I, I need His compassion to wash over me today. Compassion sees the best. Compassion doesn't reflect only on the past. It may ask questions, and there's nothing wrong with asking questions, investigating. But we need to realize that we 
We need his love. We need his care. Jesus is saying, I'm willing to pick you up out of the snow. I'm willing to carry you. I'm willing to see you live again. And maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor, I just feel like I've lost some hope in my life. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now. Anyone just gone through a season, okay? I lost hope. Anyone else? Okay? Maybe this morning you may say, you know, I, I know that there's some things in my life that have been a wall between me and the Lord. There's a wall. It could be sin. It could be an issue of, of anger. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's an issue of something where you have just limited the power of God's love in your life. You'd like to see that transform. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Okay, anyone? Okay, see your hand. Anyone else? Okay, can we take each other by the hand? Let's, let's take it as a body this morning. Let's just grab the hand next to you, and we're going to pray right now. Father, we pray. First of all, Lord, I just thank you for your, the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon your people. Lord, as compassion begins to flow in and out and through us, I ask you, Lord, right now, that, Lord, we would be a demonstration of the kingdom of heaven at hand now. That, Lord, instead of just walking over and avoiding like the drunk at the pizzeria, we would, Lord, begin to recognize that God so loved the world that he gave. The Lord, we would give. We would recognize that the same love you loved us with is the same love we should share and give to others. Lord, you come to make us new and restore us. Make our gospel effective, Lord. Help us to be effective. I pray, Lord, that the love of God, your compassion will flow in and through us. Not only to the, not just to our friends or family, but even people we don't know. Maybe, maybe it's even political. Maybe there's a political issues that we just can't stand a political party. We don't like the president. We don't like Muslims. We don't like our schools. Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes to be like a Daniel who are counted worthy to serve in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. That we would be counted worthy to serve as a Daniel in the courts of a Nebuchadnezzar where that man in chapter 4 fell to his knees and said that surely the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is the God of the heavens and the earth. Because of his humility, his compassion, and even because of his friendship. Help us to become friends with sinners. Lord, help us to see people through your eyes and not through our judgmental eyes. Help us to show mercy. Help us to show mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you. Don't forget life groups tonight. God bless you.